hold it, hold it, hold it. What are you doing here? What? What about the other foot? There ain't no sock on it. I'll get to it. Don't you know that the whole world puts on a sock and a sock and a shoe and a shoe? I like to take care of one foot at a time. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. It's just as quick my way. Wait a minute, that ain't the prank. You see what I don't? Don't keep doing it. Listen to me. Suppose there's a fire in the house and you got to run for your life. Your way, all you got on is one shoe and a sock. My way, you got on a sock and a sock. You see, you're reading. Suppose it's raining or snowing outside. Your way, with a sock on each foot, my feet would get wet. My way, with a sock and a shoe on one foot, I could hop around and stay dry. Also here with Matt Howell. On this episode of the first run, Matt and I rejoice in the return of the OG Kaiju. It's Godzilla minus one. Matt, what a time to be alive if you're a Godzilla fan. Have you been watching the new show there on Monarch on the Apple TV? I'm behind, so I've only seen the first two episodes. I am two like and a half episodes in okay. myself, and I'm really enjoying yeah, it so far. I like it. So we're back in post-war Japan, Matt, for this one, and Big G's ready to tear some stuff up. But instead of being an allegory for the post-atom bomb destruction of Japan, now we're focusing on the people at the ground level. Expanding the human side of the story, Matt, could be a gamble. Is there enough Godzilla smash to keep everybody entertained? Then then we're going to go ahead and turn the shutter, Matt, for a horror spin on one of my favorite holiday movies, It's a Wonderful Life, with It's a Wonderful Knife. We'll have to see if it's, uh, well, at least half as good an idea as Ted Turner deciding to colorize my precious It's a Wonderful Life. And then we're going to uh, Holly Decked. Holly Decked? I didn't really, this doesn't really work. We're going to discuss the Holly Decked Rundown. How does that sound? Of the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight to DVD picks of the week. Man, whoever wrote this did a horrible job. And then we're going to go ahead and close out the show and unwrap. <laughs> oh boy, another round of What Are the Odds? So let's start everything off though with a clip from Godzilla Minus One. <laughs> また悪いよね。お嬢さん。くしで。やられたようです。兄さんは私と同じね。親子とも I don't know what's going on there, but it sounds intense. Matt, what is Godzilla Minus One all about? Well, as you said, it is uh, post-war Japan. Well, I guess it really starts off in late days of the war, and a uh, young kamikaze pilot decides that he can't go through with it. He makes up a reason to land at this remote island uh, 
engineering station. And before he can take off, Godzilla shows up and kills everybody on the island. He, except for him, he makes it back. And then he starts living. And his, a mechanic. Well, yeah. and, and one, Not a buddy his, but there is a mechanic. There's a mechanic there that makes it through as well. And he starts to live his life, starts putting things back together. But the atomic testing and the U.S. military and the Soviets and everything else that's happening in the Pacific does something to Godzilla. It mutates Godzilla and it makes him violent and ready for vengeance. And uh, our young hero has to decide, is his war over or not if he takes on Godzilla? I like that. That's solid, Matt. So let me ask you, we have that Monarch show, which is based off of the Legendary Pictures current run, which is the Godzilla and the Kong films, mm-hmm. which now we have a combo. And they've just dropped, uh, like a couple days before we're recording this, the uh, sequel to Godzilla versus Kong, where I guess they go up against a bad Kong. Yeah, right. Like an evil, gigantic yeah, ape, Like I a guess, giant orangutan, which, sure. I love, too, there's a scene of them running. Yeah. Because like, they've teamed up, you know, to, to fight the if, evil, whatever it if is. If your heroes and, are going to team up, they got to have a shot running, right? I mean, that's that's that's, that's required. That's very true. And I, I think I'm I've firmly on the record that I, I've enjoyed this run of Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. And I will cut a lot of slack to Gareth Edwards' first Godzilla film there from 2014, which may come up a little bit as we talk here, but... Then we have the Toho rerun, right? Which includes like Shin Godzilla, uh, which I think we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. We saw that. I don't know if we did not talk about it for the show, did we? I think we did. Uh, did we? I don't remember. But, but we both seen yeah. it. We both thought it was pretty mm-hmm. good. So how does this, how do you feel about Godzilla Minus One? Is this a... Uh, uh, are we just like almost in the a new golden age, the modern age of great Godzilla films here? Or... Should we kind of just focus on one of these things instead, or is this thing a miss? What are your thoughts on Godzilla minus? Yeah, I mean that is the question. How much Godzilla is too much Godzilla? Because we got three, mm. and the show. Yeah, yeah, we got the show. We got this movie. We've got the the upcoming Hollywood version of Godzilla, and I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, I think it's a cool throwback to. I would. I don't want to say it's a remake necessarily. But it's kind of a throwback to Godzilla is a threat, right? He's not, mm-hmm. you know, the lovable guy who comes back to defend humanity against, uh, you know, giant pterodactyls and, and you know, robots and stuff like that. Like, Three-headed alien monsters. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is kind of a return form. And he's, he's generally scary. If I have one complaint about this film, and I guess... I guess this just shows that I'm just, you know, a, you know, a, a misanthrope at heart. It's got a little too much of the human element in it. Like I want to see big monsters like tearing stuff up, you know, um, he shows up in the very beginning. Then you go for a while and then he shows up in the middle and then he shows up at the end. There's a lot of talking about Godzilla, but there's not a lot of, not as much Godzilla as I would want. And I, I guess, how much, again, we go back to the, the original question, how much Godzilla is too much Godzilla? Like, do you, am I wrong? Like, if, is like them holding back a little bit and kind of focusing on the human element of the story make it better? Or am I right in saying that I need my kaiju fix? I guess it depends on what you're looking for, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't realize too, Matt, I'm actually wearing my oh, Toho sure scope are. Yeah, shirt nice. right now. I didn't even uh, plan that. So I like that. The, hmm. 
Now, it's doing a little something different. Uh, yeah, so it is kind of reboot him back to his roots. It's post-World War II, right? We have him originally as the metaphorical representation of the impact of the atomic bombs on Japan. But not just that, but the arrogance of the country's leadership, treating its people as fodder for the kind of the maintenance of the empire. And we expand upon that in a way. We also deal with survivor's guilt and some other stuff now. But you're right. The core of this film is more about the humanity of these people mm. and not so much, let's see a bunch of buildings get knocked down by a guy in a rubber suit. So it depends, I think, on what you're going for, what you want to see. If you want a more thoughtful Godzilla movie that focuses on the humanity and the people, I think Godzilla Minus One is the film for you. I think this may be my second favorite Godzilla film after the original. Okay. I think the human element of this is handled so much more deftly mm-hmm. than Gareth Evans's was, right. or Edwards. I always see Evans. Gareth Edwards's film was because that—that's my big complaint with that film is that stuff with Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Cranston, but particularly when Johnson is trying to you know reunite with his wife and all that stuff. That stuff is atrocious mm-hmm. in that film. Right. It is. It weighs that film down like you wouldn't believe. Here. That's the core of the film. And like you say, then Big G shows up to, uh, you know, I love the point, part where he's trolling the Minesweeper yeah, right, thing. Right. Right? I mean, lots of great little moments, taking out these battleships, whatever the case may be. You're going to get your fix. I enjoyed as well the, represent- the visual representation of his atomic breath. Mm-hmm. I always kind of am curious to see how each kind of franchise handles that. Right. And I think they do a really cool job with it here with the, eff- with the effects. And that's another thing too, Matt. I think this, the budget on this was what, like $11 million? $15 million. Okay. They did a lot. Think about what they pulled off with that $15 million. Yeah. So, but focusing on the struggle of the people, or their struggle for independence and self-affirmation, self-reliance, surpassing their personal fears to do what they need to, to, to get done. I think the core of that, the heart of that, is what makes this engine run. And I'll tell you, Matt, I think this is the first time, not I think I know, this is the first time I ever teared up at the end of a Godzilla film. Mm. Even though the introduction or the... The ending of the film, the climax we get, is borderline Hallmark corny. <laughs> borderline, sure. It still got me. Okay. Well, you do when like he's in that room, yeah, and breaking down. It got me. I, it did. You know, I think it's because you've already started watching the Christmas Hallmark movies, haven't you? Started, baby. They've been running since like late, late October. <laughs> So, but it runs dangerously close to melodrama. I think it really does. It never succumbs to it. I mean, it's looking over the edge of that abyss and looking deep into mm. it. But I think still, I think it works. And it makes me even more angry about the failures of Edwards' 2014 film. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But for this, I think that the director, Yamasaki, he does a really good job of spending time building up our family dynamic and our emotional connections to the film. And I think it pays off. And... We get to see shit blowns up real good by Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all that. I think you're right. I think it is incredibly melodramatic. I think some of it is, you know, it does walk right up to the edge. I mean, there are scenes like in the first attack and how all that ends up. And there's, but then again, there's also stuff that I think may take one step over the edge for me. I think into the melodrama. Mm-hmm. But again, like Chris said, it really depends on what it is that you're into for your Godzilla fix, right? I mean, the original American Godzilla film, the human element is the worst part of it, right? And they seem to abandon that in later films, but 
sometimes too nope. much cage too much kaiju is not so is not really what you what you thought you needed isn't really what you needed um yeah those last few films are amusement park rides yeah, that's what they are yeah but i mean but that's what godzilla is right that's what people loved about it i mean the toho beyond the first one beyond and, the first yeah one. and beyond you know shin godzilla and some of these later entries it was incredibly hokey. That's the stuff that we loved about it, right? Is that it was an amusement mm-hmm. park ride. That's the stuff that pulled us in as we were kids, right? So I'm I'm on the fence. Like, I really enjoyed this. I don't know if I can say, you know, there's people out there saying it's a masterpiece. It's not a masterpiece. And, wow. and I don't know. And I... I think just like every other Godzilla film before it, except for maybe the first one, it's a lot of fun. I really liked it, but at the same time, it has some, some pretty significant flaws at the same time that I'm okay with and I can live with, but they are there. And I I think it's, it's not, I don't think it's a stretch or unfair to say that there are some things that don't work. That's fine. I mean, just thinking though, if you're a Godzilla fan, what a time to be alive. Because you get the amusement park Godzilla. Mm -hmm. You get the heartfelt kind of emotional core human being aspect of Godzilla. You get a TV show now Mm -hmm. that gets explored Skull Island a little bit and we see other types of monsters. Man, those cockroach bug monster things from that first episode. Woo! Pretty messed up. Creepy as all hell. One of the things I love about, too, that Peter Jackson's Kong film, which is another deeply flawed movie. Mm -hmm. But those sequences on Skull Island, man, dear God! Oh yeah, when uh, really pop. when uh, Andy Circus is getting his head eaten by a by a, a slug, that is nightmare fuel. That is one of the scariest Absolutely. things I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. So yeah, I I have the uh, 4K of that. I think I got it on a sale like two years ago because it was like eight bucks, and I don't think I've I can't remember if I've ever seen the extended version of the film, mm-hmm. which I think has more Skull Island stuff in it. Oh, okay. So. Gotta pop that in at some point. Anyway, what do you think of the design of the big guy? I think it's good. I think it was for this film. He's still a chunky monkey. Yeah, he is. But for me, this was a horrific, destructive yeah. Godzilla. Yeah, sometimes it's it's weird. Sometimes he looks, you know, very he looks like an animal. He looks like something how an animal would move, and he's very fluid and it looks real. But then at other times he's it's a throwback to the old Toho stuff. He looks like he mm-hmm. moves like a guy in a suit. He just walks like this, you know, the whole time they're playing the old school music as he's like stomping around Tokyo. And I like those kind of little throwbacks and it was, but it was a weird, it was a weird juxtaposition. I, I think I liked it, but I did like the, the nods to some of the older visuals of the Toho Godzilla's. And I would say not just that too, but the score, the score, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. There are a couple classic original Godzilla yeah. uh, drops in this mm-hmm. when he's attacking the city, and hearing that Matt in the IMAX screening with the that bass was just an awesome experience. I was very happy I was able to check it out. And that's another thing too I want to mention. I was really disappointed by the premium offerings of this. I actually had a day off so i was able to see this mm-hmm. in imac because mm-hmm. the screening was like at noon okay so it was i that was horrible right it was i there was a dolby that was like at three in the afternoon like on a monday mm-hmm. you know which was like and it was like 15 miles from me or 20 miles which in tampa that's that's a long ass drive <laughs> uh but yeah so i was really disappointed with that i granted i know i think the beyonce film was taking a lot of the uh, premium screenings up and then too that hunger games pretty cool too still did yeah 
but uh, I was able to sneak in an IMAX screening of that. What about you? Yeah, I had to leave work early to go see an IMAX screening because it was only it was like it was at four o'clock. Like it was like mm-hmm. they had Napoleon early in the day for the old people. Then they had Godzilla, yeah. and then it was Beyonce after that. And that's that was my options. All right. Well, I'm glad you got to see it in the IMAX. That's good. Yeah. So that's what I, I would recommend you see it too. Yeah. Nice, big, and loud. Mm-hmm. Matt, I'm giving uh, Godzilla minus one and A minus. I'm going to give it a B plus. I wasn't sure about this, but I think I got this down. And I, I'm curious what you think. My interpretation of the title is Godzilla minus one is that the atomic bombs brought Japan back to zero. Mm, basically. Okay. Right. And that his attack then puts them at minus one. Okay. Honestly, I... That's my understanding of what it means. Okay. That's fair. I didn't think about that at all. So I will, I will agree with your assertion because you put more thoughts into it than I did. Mm-hmm. That's good. I did look it up after. Oh, okay, well, that... this sounds like this is what I, this is what I think this means. Let me look it up. And that seems to be the general consensus. Gotcha. Makes sense. So there you go. If you had a chance to see Godzilla minus one, which is currently playing in theaters, so I'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, I did see something else. What's that? I don't know if it's worth bringing up or if you want to pocket it. Maybe you want to watch it down the road. I'll just say uh, John Woo's Silent Night with Joel Kinnaman. Oh, okay. So, do you want to discuss that in the future, or do you want me to tell you what I thought about it real fast? Um, I probably won't go see it in the theater, so if, if unless it's going to be here soon. So, I'll just say briefly sure. that it's Wu's first American film since Paycheck. Okay. With Ben Affleck back in 2003. Wow. And the whole plot of it is that Kinnaman, it's basically built on the bones of uh, an exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Where Kinnaman plays a guy whose son is killed by a straight gang bullet. Okay. There's a gang warfare and driving down his neighborhood and his kid gets taken out. Gotcha. And him and his wife kind of drift fully apart. But part of the attack is uh, he chases down the uh, the uh, gang guys, but then he gets shot in the throat and left for dead. But he doesn't die, but he can't talk anymore. Okay. Hence the term Silent Night. Okay. So then he takes a year to kind of prepare himself to take revenge and take out the gang and kill everybody responsible for his son's death. So, this is an almost entirely dialogue-free film. Interesting. Okay. There's some police radio chatter, right? And maybe the occasional word or something by his wife or something. But that's it. Kinnaman doesn't say anything. And almost nobody else talks in the film whatsoever. Now, Wu has to really rely on his camera movements in this film and the performance by Kinnaman. And I think it's pretty successful. I mean, there's... It doesn't have... Okay, it has some of his tropes there like there's no flying dogs oh. so you don't have to worry about that okay. but there are some visions of kinnaman feet that he has as he's going through this particularly the last climactic fight scene that are just classic over the top woo and everybody here has almost kind of supernatural survival abilities like he gets like a vicious knife wound a couple of them and he kind of keeps going he gets multiple takes multiple gunshots and he just kind of shakes them off even though he's wearing a bulletproof vest mm. but from what I understand, the integrity of those things fail pretty quickly after you take your first bullet. They do. And he gets shot a bunch of times <laughs> with this thing. Uh, it, it, but it mostly works. Okay. I think I confess I think it does drag a little bit at times, and it does take a while to build up to our action set pieces. But I think Wu's stylistic kind of choices shine at times. He's got a very, I know this is going to kind of so lazy, but very cinematic way of telling the story. Because he asked you, because Kinnaman doesn't talk Mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing, right? It's one of those things where my expectations are harmed by the fact that I've seen stuff like those John Wick films and the Raid films. Right. With the action scenes and the fight scenes. They're they're good, but they're not as good as those films. But maybe the climactic scene in the warehouse 
is pretty solid. Okay. Uh, I think it's worth checking out. I think that Kinnaman has put a lot, a lot of effort in this film, and I think it's because he's got to all just relay his emotions through his eyes and his facial features and stuff. That's all he can really do is his depression while losing his son and his marriage falling apart, and he's just consumed by this anger that is boiling underneath him at all times. So I don't think it's top tier woo, but it's knocking on the door. Okay, it's upper second tier, and it's a John Woo film, all right. and you're, I think you're going to enjoy. It. If you like his films, you're going to like this. I'm sitting on Silent Night at a B right now. Okay. So uh, if you had a chance to see that too, that's currently in the theaters. Maybe Matt will catch up with it. It's streaming at some point. I don't know. But I had extra time, so I thought I'd check it out. So. Very good. Silent Night. Matt, what's coming up in physical media? It's upcoming Tuesday, December 12th. I just realized I did not number them. So I don't know how this is going to work. But let's start off with uh, a clip from this. Now look. What we have here before us. We've got the Saracens sitting next to the Jones Street boys. We've got the Moonrunners right by the Van Cortland Rangers. Nobody is wasting nobody. That is a miracle. And miracles is the way things ought to be. You're standing right now with nine delegates from a hundred gangs. And there's over a hundred more. That's 20,000 hardcore members, 40,000 counting affiliates, and 20,000 more not organized, but ready to fight. 60,000 soldiers. Now, there ain't but 20,000 police in the whole town. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I can dig it, Matt. Walter Hill's The Warriors. Warriors is going to be released in 4K from Arrow Films. It's a brand new 4K restoration of theatrical and director's cuts of the film. You get Dolby Vision HDR presentations of both versions. Uh, the special edition version is a 100-page collector's book with new writings. There's a limited edition, this pa- limited edition package, a reversible sleeve featuring the original new artwork, double-sided fold-out poster, six poster card size reproductions of uh, stuff from the film, gang logo stickers, new audio commentaries, uh, roundtable discussions. If you are a Warriors fan... I got the release for you, baby, in 4K. This one is going to be a massive hit. So there you go, Matt. You a fan of the Warriors? Yeah, I really like the Warriors. Um, that was actually a film um, for my long gestating and series that I'm too lazy to start. for the the. Uh, that was the first film I started doing was the Warriors um, because that's the first nice. one I pulled out of the box. But $42, baby. $42 on sale is pretty steep. It's that's Matt. We're in boutique label times now. <laughs> this is what you're gonna pay. I don't know. That's a lot. All right. It's a lot. Well, you can sit tight and wait for the uh, traditional edition. But I don't know though. You got to be wary because you might not get the director's cut mm. in the uh, regular version. Usually though, with Arrow, when they release these things uh, in the um, not traditional edition. What's the word I'm looking for? Re- regular edition. Sure. Uh, standard edition. Just standard. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
you just lose all the extras. You lose the book, the poster, the cards, right. uh, everything else, because they just reproduce the same disc. Right. So you can sit tight for six months plus, then you'll be able to get it for thirty-five dollars. Right. I don't know if that's going to make you feel any better. <laughs> Not really. No. Maybe on, maybe occasionally on sale for thirty. Right. So, uh, but that's where we are, Matt. We're in boutique label season, or not season, time. This is where we're going to be, I think, going forward for this stuff. Oh, boy. That's tough for me. If you want it in 4K, you're going to pay for it. All right. What's else coming up here? Um, I I don't know. We're just going to run down numbers here. We'll see how this goes. Number five. Outlaw Johnny Black is being released on, wait for it, DVD. That, wow. Going all out there disappointing mm-hmm. man i can't even get a blu-ray of outlaw johnny black i'd probably buy this even though i don't think it's quite as good as black dynamite i think that white is trying to make a deeper more emotionally resonant film here and kind of with comedy and i it's just but i would want to buy it just to support him because i love black dynamite so <laughs> goddamn much but you can pick that up so uh i talked about this uh the week four my OSS 117 Cairo Nest of Spies slash Lost in Rio double pack Blu-ray from Music Box Films is coming out on Tuesday. Oh. I don't know if I gave a date yet, but it's December 12th. Nice. So uh, pick these up if you like funny spoof films. Um, we also have... I'm going to run out of numbers, but that's fine. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Movie is putting out Passages featuring Ben Wishaw about two men who have been together for 15 years. And what happens, Matt? And one of them has an affair with a woman. Oh, my God. Supposed to be pretty good. All right. Nice uh, little drama there. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Five Nights at Freddy's, Matt, being released on 4K in Blu-ray. You got an HDR 10 presentation, Dolby Atmos track, a uh, from game to the big screen featurette, killer animatronics, and some other stuff. Awesome. So Five Nights, you can get that for uh, First Round Junior? Probably not. I mean, she's completely content to watch it on streaming whenever she wants. Okay, that's fine then. <laughs> and then I go, well, I guess we'll go with this one for the number. The problem is, Matt, it's Christmas time, right? right? So there's a lot of stuff coming out right now. There can be only one. I'm going to go with Disney's releasing The Creator. Oh. Nope, that's wrong. Let's not do that. Let's go with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Oh, that's a better one. Is being released in 4K. There's going to be a steelbook as well. Walmart has an exclusive steelbook with a mini poster. And uh, that's about all I could find on special features. All right. But Fair enough. still, one of my favorite animated films of the year. Very cool animation style. Fun story. Very funny. So uh, I was impressed by it, actually, because I did not have high hopes for this thing. And I ended up really liking it. Same. So uh, the creator is coming out from Disney. You can get that in Blu-ray and 4K. Of course, it's Disney, so there's no Dolby Vision. Uh, but it does have a Dolby Atmos track. Criterion is putting out in 4K the Red Balloon Other Stories. Five films by Albert... Well, Maurice uh, includes a red balloon, white mane, Bim the little donkey, stowaway in the sky, and circus angel. 4K restorations for that for a red balloon and white mane. 2K restorations for Bim the little donkey and stowaway in the sky, as well as circus angel. Uh, you get also Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Matt is being released by Criterion in 4K or a Blu-ray. You do get a Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision on that. Yeah, Del Toro did supervise the 4K Digital Master, so no no fears there. Matt, movie you wanted to do at one point, Dumb Money, the GameStop story, mm-hmm. is being released on Blu-ray. There are no features that I could find in the Blu-ray release here domestically, but if you want to import it from the UK, you get some deleted scenes and featurettes. Another film being released in 4K that I'm very excited about, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, mm. I think also in Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very funny film. 
put out by um, who is it? Not Hulu. It's uh, uh, uh Voodoo. No, nope. Ro- uh, Roku. Roku. Yeah. Thank you. That is it. Roku. Yes. Thank you. Blue. Oh, and if you're something really twisted and wrong with you up in the melon, <laughs> uh, there are Blu-ray releases of the Men Behind the Sun trilogy. Okay. Are you familiar with these films at all? No, I'm not. They're Japanese exploitation films about the horrors performed at a Japanese internment camp to uh, Russian and I think Chinese prisoners. And they're basically just kind of, uh, they show all the horrible things that supposedly happened at these camps. Uh, All three films are being released on Blu-ray, Men Behind the Sun, then the sequel, Laboratory of the Devil, and then finally, A Narrow Escape. Uh, I've never seen the films. I've seen images online, particularly the one with the, I think it's an Asian woman where her arm, I'm just not going to describe it. Just if, never mind. It's just very unsettling, and it's Christmas. Let's move on. Yeah. Was it a? Is that a, about Unit Seven Thirty One? That's what it sounds like. That I don't know. So they were uh, a bunch of Japanese scientists. You know how, like, you know, Nazi scientists they would test on their prisoners mm-hmm. and really cruel stuff to that we learned a lot about, like, you know, how long hypothermia takes to set in if you're in water or stuff yes. like that. All right. Well, you yep. know how the fun fact. This is how I found out about this thing. Uh, you know how we determined that we know that uh, the human body is 60% water? Yeah. It's from Unit 731. The Japanese scientists, they would uh, take Chinese or Korean prisoners, put them into an oven, weigh them first, then put them in the oven, and then turn it on until they basically melted while they were alive. And then they would weigh the remains and figured, okay, it's 60% less, so that must be water that evaporated. That's how we know that statistic. Gross. I know. And Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so, yes, I believe that's what these films are okay. based on. All right, very good. So, maybe I'll cut this whole thing out of my edit because <laughs> this is just disturbing me. <laughs> Speaking of funny, Clue is being released in 4K. It does include the three different surprise endings. Matt, you get a 4K restoration from the original camera negative and uh, three new interviews as well. That's being put up by Shack, Shot Factory. The Wailing. It's just a great little, um, oh boy, is it Korean? Yeah, I think I think it is. Horror film uh, is being released in 4K. The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2 are getting 4K Steelbook releases. Face Off is getting a 4K restoration release. Includes Dolby Vision HDR presentation, a new audio commentary. Suspect Zero gets a 4K release as well from, I believe, Kino Lorber. School Days is being released in 4K. Patrick from 1978 is being released in 4K as well. And then uh, I think really the number one release for me this upcoming week. Though actually, you know what? I think this may have been delayed. Um, But Old Boy is supposed to be coming out by Decal and uh, Neon Pictures this upcoming Tuesday in 4K. So uh, double check that one, though. I think I recently heard that that may have been pushed out to January. I don't know. All right. You're straight to DVD pick of the week. The franchise that keeps on giving. Well, I shouldn't say that. The third film in the franchise is legendary. And I found out recently that the greatest line in the history of cinema was improvised by the actor, John Barrowman, because the director told him to say something funny. Mm. So he did, not expecting that line to be kept in the film, and the director (laughs) kept it in there. Megalodon the Frenzy Met is being released. The stakes have never been higher when a frenzy of five Megalodons spawn of the original terrorizes the open ocean now matt i'm gonna let you decide i do have as a stinger a clip from megalodon megalodon 3 mm-hmm. shark attack yeah. 3 megalodon yeah uh i it's not that one line oh 
It's a different line, which is not quite as offensive and crazy, but it's pretty close. Okay. But I do have the other one holstered oh, or ready to go. Right. Just in case. Yeah. I don't know. This is a lot of buildup. You may need to put it out there for the people. The people want to know. All right. We'll see. What should we be streaming this week? Well, you've got a few options. So obviously, as Chris pointed out, we're in the holiday season. So I'll make a recommendation around that a film that is i think maybe a little lesser loved but i think deserves a little bit more um is scrooged um when anybody i still say to this day stop the gd hammering and i think only chris is the only person who picks up on it besides (laughs) myself Um, it's available on amazon prime and paramount plus or to kind of go along with our first film the Godzilla films, all of the new ones, um, are all available on Max, and all of them except for the first one is available on Netflix as well for your viewing pleasure. Oh my gosh. Does that suck? <laughs> there you go. A little Scrooge action. Good, 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 Matt. Let's take a few minutes in and uh, talk about It's a Wonderful Knife. Blasphemy, I say, Matt. Blasphemy. Mr. Evans, we know you're carrying a lot of debt, and you, you could use the money, so it, I think it's a really great idea to sign. You're a good man, David. But my family's lived here for generations. My granddaughter will own it next. I'm not signing. <laughs> when your dad died a few years ago, Henry, he should have left the business to David. But I'm his son. David was more of a son to him than you ever were. Look, Roger, I know you and your family, you used to be the gold standard around here. Especially Christmas time, you you donated those trees year after year. But that was in the past, because I'm here now. So I want you to take a look around your town, if you're able to walk outside on your own. And you will see that I'm the person this town needs to move us on into the future. By kicking them from their storefronts and their homes. The people of this town are its future, Henry. They want to live, to work and be happy, and that's it. Your father knew that. Why do you want to take that away from them? Why do you want to turn them into your drones? It's nice to see the smoking man still getting some work. Oh, that was nice. I did see that, yeah. So Justin Long clearly watching entirely too many episodes. I don't know if that's quite even possible of the Righteous Gemstones. So this time, though, Matt, we have It's a Wonderful Life, which is a kind of horror satire, kind of putting It's a Wonderful Life on its head. It's uh, Christmas time at Angel Falls, Matt, and Winnie Carruthers is celebrating the holidays, right? And what happens, though, is as you heard in that scene, there's the uh, evil town guy wants to get this guy to sell so we can knock down his house and build his kind of big mall corporate kind of, you know, take over the town type of a thing. And that's Justin Long as our bad guy. And that night, since he won't sell, well, stuff goes down, stuff goes bad. And there is the angel who is a serial killer who goes and starts killing Winnie's friends. And she stops him. Like in the first 20 minutes, Matt, the movie's over. Mm-hmm. She kills him. Mm-hmm. But we fast forward a year because her best friend had died and she starts experiencing some other horrible things. And she makes a wish on the Aurora Borealis and uh, wishes that maybe things would be better if she was never born. And she gets to find out what would happen if that was indeed the case. Matt, what were your thoughts on It's a Wonderful Knife? Is it the It's a Wonderful Life horror mishmash thing, change, whatever, that we never knew we needed? Hmm. Uh, 
No. I I, I mean, it's kind of hard to run a, a film, uh, you know, a, a horror version or a genre version of one of the greatest films of all time, right? So, like, I... It was it was fine. It, it was very low budget shutter. I thought it had its moments. It's weirdly ridiculous. Like it lives by its own rules, which don't always make a ton of sense. Mm. But I mean, it's 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 okay. It was okay. I didn't have any expectations. I knew very little about it other than the title and that Chris suggested it and he wanted to see it. And yeah, I have to say I was mildly underwhelmed by it so he did tyler mcintyre is a director he did i believe tragedy girls which i've been wanting to catch up with for a very long time and i have not had an opportunity to do that as of yet uh i hear that's actually supposed to be pretty good have you seen tragedy girls not, at all no. all right and i is it possible did he direct five night at freddy's did he no he wrote it oh okay okay he wrote okay. it okay and he directed um, the uh, Gawker segment from VHS 99. Oh. How about that? How about that? Which is, all right, so one of the reasons why I'm saying that is I felt like I'm watching this, like this is like a someone's first film. And it's, but it's not. But it's, I think it's solid enough. I think taking It's a Wonderful Life and turning it on to hit its head like this is an interesting idea. I think it's a fun idea. And I don't have an issue with it. Because if it's, how would I describe it? It's literally like a Hallmark film, though, from Shudder, mm. where it has the horror film story beats that we've seen a thousand times. Even though it's, it does these little twists and turns, they don't really feel kind of that gotcha-y. They more feel kind of poorly written-y, right? It has all the same tropes as those Hallmark films where there's forced tension twists in the last 20 minutes that needs to be resolved. Right, and unlike the Godzilla minus one film, there are emotional beats here that you don't just don't engage. I would say we get some interesting kills in this, mm-hmm. but after the initial one, they kind of just feel like little tired set pieces right. to me. Yeah, and I think the script really lacks any real authenticity or life to it. It just never felt something that was, had been fully developed. And maybe it needed another pass. I'm not quite sure. Uh, just And the twists and turns don't have the oomph I think McIntyre is looking for because I don't think he ever earns those emotional moments. When we, the, the, the killer is revealed in the what in the last in the middle of the film or the last quarter or last third of it, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess so. That makes sense. Right. But then when they get to the big final confrontation, like on the dock or whatever the hell that is, now we're switching to this kind of cult, kind yeah. of supernatural possession angle. Yeah. And I just feel like he's trying to cram too much into his bottomless Santa bag. Right. Or maybe pull too much out of it. I don't know. I think it's still entertaining enough. I think that Mikhail keeps making these fun, kind of interesting films. It's not as subversive, I think, as like that film he did, uh, Assassination Nation, which I know has its detractors, but as a film I enjoy. Yeah. This is more kind of in the Becky realm for me. And I think him switching to kind of genre films kind of suits him as an actor. And I kind of like to see more. I do think it's interesting. He clearly has more hair than he did during his community days. But that's fine. Yeah. You got to do what you got to yeah, do. Sure. It's definitely thicker. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. And I do. I did enjoy kind of Justin Long, as I said, kind of channeling his inner righteous gemstones with the spray tan and the big fake teeth. <laughs> and that pitched voice, though, I'm kind of on the fence about. Right. But either way, and the blue contacts, fine, man. I don't know. It's fine. I give it a wonderful life a C. A C. 
Yeah, I'm going to give it a C minus. I think what Chris is spot on. I mean, if a lot of the kills, they start to get repetitive and boring. There's nothing really new there. Uh, you know, it can't decide if it wants to be a supernatural film, a slasher film. It's not quite funny enough to be ridiculous, like campy fun. Yeah, I, I better better luck next time, I guess, Taylor. Maybe. Tyler. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where I felt like it's so self-aware. It's so aware of itself and trying to be a little meta and kind of would... A, it's a Wonderful Life, and making a holiday horror film yeah. that it just kind of, it's just too cute by half sometimes with it too. So yeah, fine. It's it's actually quite theatrical. So if you get a chance to see it when it was in the theaters, I'm curious to see what you thought of it. And like I said, it's now currently streaming on Shutter, yeah. just in time for the holidays. Right. So you can check it out there as well. Feedback at thefirstrun.com, Matt. I have a question for you. Did you see? The uh, Furious trailer. I did good because that'll help us then in our first final in our final segment here. Ah, so let's uh, okay, let's roll. This is your way home. We go back. Hmm. Back. Yeah. I thought you weren't insane anymore. What are they saying? He wants to go back from where they came. Citadel. What's there to find at the Citadel? Green. And water. There's a ridiculous amount of clear water. And a lot of crops. It's got everything you need, as long as you're not afraid of heights. Where does the water come from? He pumps it up from deep in the earth, calls it Aquacola, and claims it all for himself. And because he owns it, he owns all of us. I don't like him already. It'll take two weeks to skirt the wall of mountains. No. I suggest we go back the same way we came. Through the canyon. It's open, we know that, right? He brought all his war parties through. So we take the war rig and we charge it right through the middle of them. Sounds like a plan, Matt. So that, of course, is a clip from Fury Road, mm-hmm. uh, Mad Max. I think our favorite film that year when it came out, right? I know it was definitely mine. Yeah, I think it was mine as well. And, uh, man, I've been itching to rewatch that. It, the 4K's been on sale for a little while. From what I understand, that transfer is less than good. Okay. I think it's just, uh, I don't know if they scrubbed it too much or whatever, but every time I read a review about it, I'm like, wait, was it bad? I'll read a review at a, at a different <laughs> site, and everybody says the Blu-ray is much better than the 4K. Okay. So Fair enough. I'll just stick with that. So, um, But yeah, so I was going to do a clip from Furiosa, but the trailer doesn't really lend itself auditorily. Right. Auditorially? Audibly? Yeah, sure. Audibly? Yeah. So we thought we'd go with Fury Road, Matt. What were your thoughts on the Furiosa tra- trailer? And my odds question for you is, what are the odds it's even better than Fury Road? Oh, boy. Which is, you know, what's hilarious. You son of a bitch have taken one of my questions. So now I only have two because that was basically <laughs> the same. My, my my first question as well. I think the odds are just based off of the trailer that it's better than Fury Road. Mm. Well, wait, what, was the, what was the question? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Yeah, what do you think if it's better than Fury Road? Yeah, does it top it? Is it a no? I say that's probably greater cinematic experience. No, I think it's going to be like a twenty percent chance. I, I mean, okay. Fury Road is like a masterpiece action film. Like I, I can't. It's even better than any of the originals that were like these classic films. So like, I just can't imagine that this thing will even leave, live up to that. Now, whether it ends up being better than what the trailer has led me to believe because i'm a little nervous after watching that trailer i i think i'm gonna give that a uh 55 that it's better than what the trailer because i was trying to think back like when i watched the fury road trailer 
Like, if I watch it now, all mm-hmm. I can think of is how much I liked Fury Road, so it gets me pumped, right? But, like, I'm trying to remember, at the time, was I, like, not confident? Because I'm not confident about this. This there's, It looks off. Does it really? I From people say the special effects look unfinished or off. Yeah. And I think there was a similar issue with Fury Road, okay. and how did that turn out? Right. So uh, I actually thought the Fury, excuse me, the the uh, Furiosa trailer looked pretty good. I'm gonna cut it some slack with that special effects stuff because again, same issue with Fury Road. So I am very confident. Will it be better than Fury Road? That's a bold statement. I mean, it does have you know Hemsworth with a prosthetic nose, which is really appealing <laughs> to me. But I don't think so. But will it be a worthy successor? Absolutely. So is it better? I'm gonna go like. 15 percent that it's going to be a better experience uh but still i think it's going to be great and it is one of going to be one of my most anticipated films of next year that's for absolutely sure so yeah yeah i mean honestly even if it is absolutely excellent and in you know i'm confident or at least i have faith that it that george miller's gonna be able to put something out i mean you can only have that kind of unexpected transcendent experience once. Like now it's got the weight of expectations on it. Whereas the mm-hmm. other one was like, holy shit, like this is not, I didn't think it was going to be this good. So you're never going to have that exhilaration again watching it. I may even have been like, a, like wow, do we really need another Mad Max film yeah, at this point? Right. I like the same thing like when the, when Stileski was, I saw the first what, the poster for John Wick and I'm like, what the hell is a John Wick? <laughs> So, here you go. All right, what do you got for me? All right, so it was recently announced that uh, A24 uh, has Mm -hmm. pinned a deal with Max, and Max is going to be the exclusive streaming home of A24 films. It's also been rumored that Paramount Plus and Apple Plus are going to join forces and uh, be available on each other's services to kind of, I guess, boost their numbers, right? Which all leads to... That you know, maybe streaming land is starting to reach saturation, right? They're trying to do stuff to get new members. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, what are the odds with things like the combination of Paramount Plus and Apple Plus and the exclusivity of A24 that your premium services like Criterion or specialty services like Shutter are going to be done in the next two years? That's interesting. I don't. Shutter, I think, has about five years left. Okay, I think it disappoints me, but um, I, I don't know um, if they can keep costs down. Like one of the things I didn't realize, I found out that they 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 broadcast or stream at seventy two seven twenty p, nothing higher than yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so, but if they can keep costs down and keep the licensing fees down and everything, maybe they could ride it out. Uh, get some of that AMC Plus money too as well, right? Because yeah. they're an AMC company. They are, yeah. But out of all the streaming services, I think they're the most vulnerable. Yeah. Because a lot of the other, a lot of those other boutique ones are. Uh, and plus, just they have competition now. Like there's Screenbox, yeah. which I haven't seen, and an Arrow has their own channel. I think the Kino Lorber has Kino Lorber Cult. Yeah. Now as well, so <sighs> I'm nervous that Shutter's in trouble. But we'll have to see. Criterion 2? Probably one of the struggles with Criterion is that the TCM is on Max. Mm-hmm. And they have a fairly healthy shared library. Right. Yeah, The only reason why I probably still have Criterion... I still think 
Max is still mostly the best service. Zaslov has tried to screw it over as much as possible. <laughs> right. And I think it's the first smart thing that he's done, if he was even involved with it, to bring to, to do the A24 merger there. But, or the agreement. Oof. I don't know. I think it's there's going to be consolidation. Basically, we're going to go back to cable. I mean, at this point, cable is going to become cheaper. Right. And we're going to all be kind of back to the same thing. <laughs> it's... Right. Yeah, I don't know, Matt. So, what's my question? What are the odds Within what, the, that they're going to go that, away? Yeah, that those like specialty or boutique or niche services are going to be gone within the next two years. Two years yeah. now. So, I'll, I'll say I'll keep low at twenty yeah. percent on that. But I think there there's issues with a lot of this stuff. I think a lot of people are hopping more too. You know, when something comes around, they want oh, do Stranger Things. Let me re resubscribe to Netflix. Right. And then the season's over, and then they drop it. Right. And they may have to combat that by what, like not allowing you to resubscribe or have making you having to wait six months sure. or something. I don't but know. But people will just sell the high seas if they have to. Well, that's the thing that I think a lot of studios don't realize yeah. is, yeah, is that they will see an even larger increase in, in piracy if they start to to uh, uh, cordon off or take stuff off. Like Max is going to remove like all of its Looney Tunes content, I think, in the next like what month? Oh, really? And do what with I, it? Take it off. They're not going to be available. I don't know if they're going to sell it to somebody else right. to stream for a while. I know that was one of the things is that they're going to start selling streaming rights to other services instead of having it be the home for all. This Interesting. Stuff. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. So the revenue stream for them. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. That I didn't know. Um, so maybe. Yeah. I think in the next two years, I think that's too soon. I think that's probably low. I think twenty percent is probably right. And if you would ask me. 30 seconds ago before Chris just said what he said, I would have said that in th- five years, I would say it's probably like a 60% chance that some of these things start uh, going away. Yeah. But because in my mind, I would think a lot of these studios, if they're going to keep their channels now, if they go, if they decide that, that it's, it's cheaper just to license this stuff out fine. But you know, your distribution houses and MGM plus and, and Warner brothers and Paramount, if they start pulling, like not letting people have the licenses, especially to their back catalog. Like, I don't know what that's going to do to some of these kind of boutique brands. And I would think if they're looking for exclusivity, they may start pulling some of that stuff back. Yeah. I was, one thing I was happy about to the A24 thing is that they currently release all of their physical media through Lionsgate and Lionsgate only does digital copy. Well, not only, only, yeah. but the majority, the vast majority of their physical media is digital copies or Voodoo. Okay. And I do not really use Voodoo in any capacity. Sure. Uh, I actually restarted or realized I had it. Cause I think I, I mean, of course I haven't watched it yet, but that exorcist TV show was supposed to be excellent. Mm-hmm. And they had both seasons for like five bucks or something like yeah. that. So I'm like, well, let me spend that. I'm like, going to watch it here. It's so good. Cause you can't find it. I don't think you can watch it anywhere sure. else. Yeah, so I'm hoping that that include digital copies will get more basically movies anywhere or Apple iTunes files because that does frustrate me when I buy all my uh, A24 physical releases that I don't get my digital copies. Right. Speaking of streaming, Matt, supposedly Doug Lyman and Jake Gyllenhaal are hopping mad, Matt. Even though they got to be nice, be nice. <laughs> Because their Roadhouse reboot, supposedly, have been told is that Amazon is going to put it straight to streaming and they're not going to give it a theatrical release after all. Okay. What are the odds it actually ends up just streaming on Amazon? Supposedly, the test screenings are through the roof, too. Everybody says it's really good. Everybody seems to really enjoy it. So they're barking and 
people are wondering if Amazon will change their mind. I mean, what are your thoughts? Will they do that? Will they change uh, their mind? Or will we get a theatrical release for Roadhouse? Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm of two minds of this. For a man at my age bracket, with all the stuff that I have to do, time is at a premium. And I was at the movie theaters, and I was pissed off. Like, I wanted to see Godzilla Minus One, but I was pissed off that AMC, I had to do all this on AMC schedule. They had one fucking show. They had, they had, you know, it was supposed to start at four o'clock. It's on with, you know, 30 minutes of previews and... Oh my God, I had 35 minutes of tra- previews right. and trailers. Like, I don't, like, get rid of I them. I can it. watch them all on YouTube. I don't give a shit. Like, I don't want to see Nicole Kidman minutes. talk about how heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Like, I don't want to see any of that anymore. Just start the movie when you say you're going to start it. I'm a busy man. I got stuff to do, right? So, like, part of me is just pissed off at the movie-going experience. Like, I like the picture. I like the sound when I'm in there, but going to the movies used to be like an experience and now it's it's losing some of that luster for me right so mm-hmm. if i can watch something on streaming unless it's something that i really really want to see that i think is really going to benefit from being on the big screen i will prefer to watch it at home roadhouse is not something i'm going to go I'm, i'll it's... watch it but i'm not rushing out to go see it on the big screen right mm-hmm. but my other the other part of me says this and you would think that amazon would be smart enough or that, you know, Jill and Hall and the other, you know, makers were not dumb enough to sign something like this, but you would think they would have learned something from the Black Widow debacle and how Disney had to pay off Scarlett Johansson, right? Now I don't know if they have things like points on the back end, but you think that's gonna bite them and you would think that in the contract that would they would have known that was a possibility, right? So yeah. So they, they should have known better. So if they signed something that said that they could do this, yeah, it sucks, but that's kind of your own fault, right? So, or your lawyer's fault or your agent's fault, whatever. Yeah. So do I, I think if there's a big enough outcry, I'm going to say 60% chance that it'll actually make it into the theater. I think, well, I think you should temper that big enough outcry. How many people even know there's a Roadhouse well, reboot mean. happening? I mean, if they can get some kind of Snyder Cut bot campaign to like, you know, make that happen. Like, you know, if they go out and buy, you know, pay some guy like $20,000 to like flood them with, you know, 100,000 bot campaign things, you know, that look real, then maybe they'll do it. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I they should have known better. This obviously had to be put into their contracts after the issue with ScarJo. So, uh, honestly, maybe they just assumed it was not going to happen. Then that's on them. Yeah, I don't. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's going to go streaming. Yeah. I don't because I don't think anybody knows. Right. And and also too, it's a reimagining, I guess, not a reboot or a remake, okay. whatever that means. I just, uh, I don't, I don't think there's any public consciousness that this film even exists. Right. So uh, I I don't think so. I think the chances of it getting a theatrical release at this point are basically five percent. The only thing that would happen is something happens and a window opens up that needs to be filled theatrically, mm-hmm. or I, I I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. So, but I'm not confident. Now I I am I will say I admit I am interested to see it. The first film is a classic, and you know it's it's so just it's over what a top. perfect distillation of that yeah. timing that you know. But still, it's uh. I'd be curious to see how this one pans out. So I don't know. 
Weird. All right. He's a former, he's an ex-UFC middleweight fighter oh. man, in this one. Oh, very nice. And he's working at a roadhouse in the Florida Keys, where things are not as they seem. The Florida Keys? Supposedly that. That's too bougie. Conor McGregor's in it, That's too, too bougie. Can't do that. Mm. It's got to be in the swaps. That's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Pain don't hurt, Matt. Sorry. All right. Got any more for me? Or? Uh, yeah, I got one more. I had three, okay. but I have one more now. Um, so, Zack Snyder, speaking of the Snyder cut, uh, is basically constantly fighting off rumors of whether any of his other films deserve a director's cut, a Snyder cut, if you will. Are we going to get a mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead Snyder cut? A Sucker Punch Snyder cut? So what are the odds? Both of those things exist, man. <laughs> they, uh, that, uh, that the rest of, uh, of Snyder's Ovra is going to get a Snyder cut treatment. We do have director's cut of a bunch of his films. Um, but you said maybe him go back and retool retool things mm-hmm. and do like an update of something or yeah. Like bring I mean, I, back I for... read that you know on the sucker punch one. What made me think of this is that the, he was talking about sucker punch. He's like, there's not enough there for really like a true director's cut. It was basically just putting in back in some deleted scenes that that were there. Uh, there's nothing in the theatrical. <laughs> I, man, what a disappointment that movie was. I thought that was, was going to be so cool. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, <laughs> did I tell you that I bought it like on Blu-ray when it was like a dollar at best? by just to like have Did it you? yeah i just just see like is this as bad as i remember it is it is but it has some really cool action scenes in it i'll give it that much um yeah yeah <laughs> some legendary needle drops <laughs> legendary yeah um so yeah I, I but then of course then i saw like literally after that somebody was asking me asking him if there's like uh what was the Dave Bautista Living Dead in Las Vegas movie that he did? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Army of the Dead. And he's, sure. like, he's like, guys, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. There's no, there's no need no. for a Snyder cut for that. So it just got me thinking, what else in, in Zack Snyder's world does he have a Snyder cut? Like, is there, a, is there a Snyder cut of 300 out there somewhere? Oh, I don't know. I had heard, though, that the rights to some book or graphic novel or something that was going to be his plan for the sequel Mm -hmm. um had gotten snapped up from him so he couldn't do it but he actually has now regained the rights to it so he may actually do that uh yeah i don't i don't know i know the theatrical of dawn of the dead or director's cut of dawn of the dead but i don't know about his Super Fashy 300, if we need to see a director's cut, a Zack Snyder cut. Man of Steel, we got. We already have Dawn of Justice, right? Mm-hmm. We have the three and a half hour cut of that, three hour cut of that. So, I wonder if we'll do that with Rebel Moon, or just because they split it in two. Right, that it already is. Yeah. Um, and then you have Watchmen, which there's an extended cut of Watchmen, okay. right? So, everything, I, most of the stuff already does have extended or director's cut versions so i guess we're all set i wonder what the hell he was talking about are they the snyder cut but uh, but is it the snyder cut i don't know <laughs> i'm trying to think if anything else i'd want to see here his getting expanded uh i don't know about man of steel i still think man of steel isn't horrible yeah, it's I like, mean, Man of Steel has its moments. It's not great, but I mean, compared to a great score, compared to what comes after, like, is there is there a yeah, yeah. Snyder cut of Dawn of Justice? Like, can they polish that turd to make it like something good? 
Well, the fuller version of that is better than the theatrical cut, mm. but to further rework it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Why? Just why? <laughs> no. Why did you say that name? <laughs> I still think that works better in the extended cut than it does in the theatrical, too. That whole scene Fair enough. works better. Fair enough. Not great, but better. Legend of the Guardians? Matt, Owls of Gahul, the slatter cut? <laughs> never seen it, so I have no idea. All right, go ahead. Sorry. That's all right. Let's close it out, Matt. Bob Iger, is he right? What are the odds he's right? That the reason the the Marvel's film disappointed in the box office was a lack of studio execs on site. Zero uh, percent. I mean, th- th- it's <laughs> it's probably as good as it is because of the lack of of studio exec oversight. I mean, I I don't know what the problem is with this. Like, I'm really disappointed. I I will admit the first Captain Marvel film is not great. It has a lot of you know. It could definitely have been better. But I quite enjoyed the Marvels. I thought it was a big step up from the first one. And I thought it had a lot of, you know, humor and, and heart and mm-hmm. some humanity to it that the first one was missing. I, I'm really disappointed that uh, it didn't do well. Yeah. I Disney going back to Iger after things hadn't been going well. Like, as he was some kind of, I don't know, Lee Iacocca Messiah type, you know, Steve Jobs coming back to save the company right. thing. And I just, the Iger decision that I support is their shift back to physical media, right? I think that, I obviously am very excited about that, though they still won't release a goddamn Dolby Vision 4K <laughs> disc. But still, I think it's 0% as well. It's not It's not a, a, a lack or dearth of studio exec interference is the reason why. I think there's just a general saturation point on this mm-hmm. stuff. I think that they built up the whole thing for Thanos over the, what, 10 plus years, yeah. and they told their story. And then they just haven't hit on the next big arc. And also all the big actors, for the most part, are gone. Yeah, they're aging out or they're done with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you factor in that and then the fatigue, that's your issue. Or the fact that, you know. And the TV shows as well. You got to watch. Now you got to watch two or three TV shows to watch the next film. The one before this, Secret Invasion, is not particularly good. And the original film was not particularly well received. And then, of course, you've got the whole you know, awful nerd contingent, you know, gleefully yep. celebrating its failure. So it's just, I don't know. I mean, honestly, the next big thing is one, obviously it's X-Men. That's what's going to bring people back in Two, yeah. young Avengers. Yep. I mean, Kate Bishop and, and, uh, you know, Kamala Khan signed me up. I dude, I listen, I, I agree with you. I would be interested to see that. I'm telling you that the mass audiences are not going to be excited I know, about. They're Kate not. Bishop I know, but I. But and, there's. But the comic books need to be fun. Like I think I just want something that's lower stakes, right? And then of course, Ironheart. No, nobody, nobody gives a shit about that. Um, but it broke my it broke my heart a little bit. I died a little bit inside where Tom Holland said that uh, his return to Spider Man is is. So it's sounding less and less like he's interested in coming back, which would really, really, which would really kill me that he, if he doesn't do at least one more to transition over to miles or something. So I don't know. Oh, wow. You can, wow. So if that final film, that's how he goes out with basically the, uh, a wish cast of everybody forgetting who he is. Yeah. He was saying that he wasn't, he doesn't seem pretty, he said it would have to be something really special for him to come back. And like, it sounds like he's, as he's getting further and further from removed from it, he seems less and less interested in doing it. Wow. Which is a real shame. Yeah. Wow. All right. 
Those are your odds, folks. Head down to Vegas. Or, you, know, you know what? If you're in the East Coast, go to Atlantic City. <laughs> if you're in Connecticut, just, you know, you can, you can do betting. Just do it. Yeah. Pull out the phone there. Do one of your apps. Mm-hmm. Man, I, that's one thing I hate about sports now and baseball and the NFL is baseball was really horrible about it this past year having gambling ads oh, yeah. like during the broadcast yeah, yeah, yeah. and like the odds rolling up like on the bottom scroll yeah. of stuff happening yeah. oh god horrible what have we become the puritans were right matt i i was wrong this entire time <laughs> so all right those are your odds screen uh screen feedback at the first we'd love to hear from you matt what's coming up in the big show i think that calendar is all kinds of messed okay. up so what this is what's on the calendar Chris has Eileen on the calendar. Now, I mm-hmm. think I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to make us go see the last, supposedly the last film of one of the greatest filmmakers of our time in The Boy and the Heron. That's what I, if, if we can only see one, which is what's on the calendar right now, that's what I'm going to insist we see. But it's a little up in the air because that's, like you said, it's, it's a little all over the place because Chris has some travel coming up. It, we're, I'm not quite sure where that all fits in, so we'll see. Yeah, I when I realized the boy in the hair and was coming out, I'm like, oh, Matt's definitely gonna want to do that. Mm-hmm. I do want to see Eileen, um, being the Anne Hathaway fan that I am. Mm-hmm. I think she's, well, I understand she's very, very good in mm-hmm. this. And May December, I want to check out, which is on Netflix, yeah. which is the least Todd Haynes film mm-hmm. with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot coming out as well. So we'll figure that. Out. We'll figure it out. I, I don't know. Maybe we do a thing. I think we've only done once in the history of the show where one of us goes, we both see a different <laughs> film and then yeah. check back then, in. Yeah. I don't know. I think that we're going to do Boy in the Heron. I feel like that's what we should right. do. I agree. If we can only do one, that's the one I want. I would say that we do. Yeah. All right. And then we'll figure out everything else. Remember, folks, we'll, we'll bleed well into March before we do our <laughs> top 10 of 2023 of next mm-hmm. year. So, In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Do your scrolling. Eventually, we'll come up. Have a, head, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and help other people find the show. And um, I think that's it. Is that it? I think that's, that's it. it. Oh, go to thefirstrun.com mm-hmm. and you can find archives of all the old shows. I got to get up to that report card, Matt, that has to get done because you'll start working on your top 10 of the year. Mm-hmm. Ooh, maybe we should do our top 10 most anticipated films for next year. Did we already Usually do that? We do that. Did we already do that? No. No, we did? Not for 2024. Oh, okay. I thought we did. Okay, cool. Then, I don't believe then let's. So, no. And we should probably bring back at some point too the uh, Rotten Tomatoes game. We haven't done that like in a year or two at this point. It's true. In so, fact, it's been so long that I barely remember how that works. So you'll have to, we'll have to get We just work. predict this Rotten Tomatoes score. Okay. And then we usually bet. Okay. I think we usually do like an AMC gift card. That's or true. That's like right. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it has been a while since we did that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go to bed. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We love you very much. Uh, Enjoy your stingers, plural, but don't let your parents hear. Hey, you guys get the cameras. I'm going to check out the boat. Yes, ma'am. Don't think I don't know you're checking out my ass breathing. Who, me? Oh, come on. I like her. Davis, you like anything with a pair of tits, man. That's true. It is. But you're the ass man, remember? And you'd do anything for that ass. Fucking ain't right, man. (laughs) Come on.
I'm exhausted. Yeah, me too, but... You know, I'm really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? <laughs> <laughs>